welcome to the Sports Pro Podcast, getting inside the sports industry and recording it on audio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Sports Pro Podcast. My name is Owen Connolly. I'm the editor at large at Sports Pro, and I'm delighted to have back with me Sports Pro Digital Editor Tom Bassam. Hi, Tom. Hi, Owen. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Tom. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Yes, I think I've just about recovered from 26 hours of flying in the space of 10, in 10 days. So, yeah. 26 hours of flying. Let's uh, clarify, that's to and from Singapore. Correct. Uh, for the Sports Pro OTT Summit Asia. Uh, you and I returning from there, I don't know, what, whatever day it was. Uh, also, <laughs> uh, uh, a, a very neat, exactly one night sleep time difference between London and Singapore. Um, but yes, two good days, very good days uh, of OTT and digital broadcasting, conversation and networking, and all the other valuable things that people want from industry events at the Pan Pacific in Singapore. Yeah, certainly. I thought it was a, a, for our first event out there, I think it went very well. The, uh, mm. Lots of positive responses and uh, very happy Japanese man at the end after he won a signed Nicholas Ozdemendi shirt. I think that may have been a uh, small highlight for me. I think that was a highlight for everyone. I think that was very much, we, we peaked right at the very, very end in networking drinks. Uh, Damien Willoughby from City Football Group, uh, Vice President of Partnerships, and he was in Singapore to talk about All or Nothing, the Amazon project, documentary project that Manchester City did, uh, very helpfully coinciding with them winning the league by about 30 or 40 points or whatever it was last year. <laughs> Um, and yeah, giving away a signed Nicholas Otamendi training top. We do live to give at Sports Pro <laughs> uh, and to create memories. But that was not all that happened. There were um, there were some other highlights. I thought actually Damien's talk was was very enlightening about the kind of role that original content is going to play in the OTT mix for a lot of uh, a lot of rights holders, a lot of of, uh, of teams and brands and stuff as well. Obviously, um, you know the uh, on-demand world is uh, is is of, of quite a lot of value to to sports teams, and it's a, it's a new thing. It kind of gets them in. You know, I, I wrote my column on this last week, but kind of gets them into that uh, Netflix and Amazon video space in a way that live sport at the moment is is still kind of feeling its way through. And I thought, you know, Damien touched on some of the other advantages getting into Amazon's e-commerce universe and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it's I think it's an area that not just soccer but jet like other sports are going to have to look at as well. You can't just stack a stack an OTT service full of live rights and not have anything else to go with it. And actually, mm. the the more the more quality those those other pieces of original programming are, the the more likely you are Peter, people to sort of see the value in those OTT services. So yeah, yeah it was a it was definitely a, an interesting insight into why they did that and the sort of thoughts behind it, and also some of the. Um, some of the marketing elements that they talked about as well, mm. in terms of growing the City Football Group brand and uh, the vanity, the vanity aspects of it that the players seem to enjoy, and the fact that they're able to roll it out with such a high-profile name like Amazon was, yeah, I think it's probably provided food for thought for a lot of uh, a lot of their rivals. I mean, the previous efforts we've seen in that kind of space, being Liverpool, being sort of the one that I can remember, absolutely yeah. flopped, and this one showed that it could be done well when provides some value for the team that took part. Well definitely it's um, there's there's a, a support structure around it in the digital space that didn't really exist with TV. In TV you'd put it on, it would be a cool thing and it would have its lifespan on television and people might remember it and you know there might be DVDs or whatever but um, certainly there's there's a lot more that can come off the back of it and it lives in a, in a really different way and kind of flourishes once it's on the platform and then you know, word of mouth and everything internationally can spread. And the other thing that was interesting in City's case, and obviously we were speaking in Asia, um, where the biggest country in that region does not have, uh, and and indeed the world, um, does not have uh, Amazon as a a major player in that market and has its own platforms. And and he was talking about, you know, repurposing the IP basically to to be distributed on those platforms. So yeah, all all very interesting. We've got a session with uh, Joey Biswas, which we have lined up for you a little bit later. He's the well-travelled Facebook head of sports partnerships for APAC. Um, he was speaking on stage as well. 
But yeah, what were some of the other some of the other highlights for you of the of the couple of days there? Yeah, I, I think that we, we got off to a pretty strong start actually with the with the KO Sports session with uh, Julian Aubrey and mm. talking about that. That I mean, it's a pretty mega offer that Fox have put together in Australia. They put together uh, yeah the majority of the of the major sports in that country and something all on one OTT service, which seems to have not just not just those kind of live rights, but lots of different ways of approaching OTT. Yeah. So I think the the stuff about the uh, no spoilers was, was interesting, um, and the way that they went about even marketing the the launch of it was also yeah. sort of something that I'd not really seen too much before. Yeah, I thought that was that was really um, a really enjoyable presentation from Julian, and he got to the core of the fact that it, it is a pure OTT product. So they, you know, it's launched by. Foxtel and, and Fox with a lot of Fox Sports rights, so they haven't had to think about that element of it, and they've just thought almost entirely about the delivery. And as you say, the marketing is very attention-grabbing. They called it KO, getting way away from that Fox name, and you know, and creating what is a completely distinct product. They've given it a, a 25 Australian dollar price tag a month, which is a little higher than you know your Netflixes and stuff, but still lower than what you might expect to play to pay for a premium sports channel on top of a pay tv platform he didn't say whether that was whether they were making a profit off of that but <laughs> i mean I, he, yeah. uh, you know you, you wouldn't necessarily expect it at this point but um yeah the, the the technology stuff um was really fun and and yeah very much thinking about uh who is this for you know what you know there were a couple of things one was watching four streams at once which you could imagine if you were just kind of hanging out if you think about how people watch sport maybe at a weekend when there might be two games on you might have if you were a massive sports fan the ipad on and the tv on and and the phone on and it definitely seemed to be quite thoughtful from from that perspective and some of it is just throwing stuff at a wall and, and seeing what sticks at this point but i did think the spoiler free thing which means that if you join a stream late you don't get notifications was that was quite a cool touch yeah, I like that, and the, the I like the sort of the way that they approached building building the product up. He talked a little bit about that, and that was it was going out to sort of um, a in a beta testing mode with a just a, a web browser based platform, and going to sort of people in the technology space and asking them what they liked about it, what they wanted to see, and taking those kind of those views on board and building them into the platform. I mean, it's something that I think a lot of OTT services could. Could benefit from doing mm. I mean, if they're not doing it already then you'd probably ask why not but it was yeah so it was a slightly it seemed like a different approach to me and a, yeah the other way around which you might normally do yeah and understanding it's it's basically a software product precisely it's a, it's a technology product it's not a broadcast it's not a tv channel and i think that creating expectations among your audience as well as among your you know as well as internally as well as with investors or whoever else might have some stake in it, is is quite uh, quite important. And understanding that yes, we will have a soft launch, and we will, you know, and, and you're starting to see other people do this as well. We'll give people time to bed down with the idea of what we've got, but understand that yeah, it's a beta product. It's not going to be kind of exactly what you're going to expect at the end, kind of straight out of the box. Yeah, just going back to the point you made earlier, I think the the thing about not just calling it. Foxtel Live mm. or, or Fox Sports on your phone um, mm. gives it a little bit of distance and allows you to create a marketing campaign aimed at targeted at the kind of people that you actually want to get onto it. So yeah. it's those younger generation, it's those millennials who aren't just going, oh, well, this is this thing my parents have got just on my phone. Yeah. Um, and creating something completely new. I mean, mm. um, so yeah, that was very interesting, and I think it, it is something you might see in some other markets. Obviously, a huge amount of diversity in. Uh, in Asia, um, I mean, we say it as a region. I mean, it's the you know biggest continent in the world, and if you add Australia in there as well, you have another uh, highly developed market alongside it. You have some markets that are almost jumping past pay TV straight into OTT. Um, somewhere OTT is going to mean something quite different because even in you know on digital and mobile, people aren't going to necessarily want to pay for stuff. Um, so there were lots of lots of different stories out there in terms of what people are trying to deliver. Was there anything else that that caught your eye? Yeah, I, I think that there was a very interesting session with DDMC Fortis actually, where they were talking about their their Asian 
their AFC uh, deal. Talking about sort of how the importance of local knowledge in mm. Asia is really something that gets overlooked occasionally uh, by by companies en- just entering that market straight up. They sort of think that they can apply their European or Western models to the region, and actually they need to look at the they need to look at the specific demands of of the area, and not just the area, but each individual country within that area. Like China is vastly different from India, and again vastly different from Malaysia in terms mm. of not just the the technology that's available, but the way that consumers use products and interact with, and interact with their technology. So mm. I, that that struck me as something that I haven't considered before, and that's probably me going over to Asia and having not really thought about it. Yeah. But at the same time, it was that was in terms of a, in terms of a le, like a legitimate takeaway. Then that's I think I think that's a I think that's a pretty strong one. So that was D Jamel then. Yes, the EVP of marketing and digital at the EMC Fortis. Uh, she mentioned as well that she'd made that journey herself from um, you know from working in Europe to go to Asia and kind of she was struck by how yeah you've got to really absorb all of this and you know in the ways in which it's different and the way in which each market differs from the last and all that kind of stuff and um, the role that culture plays not just you know technology but modes of behavior that have had you know generations to build up and the importance of football in each market and then there are some where it's already kind of got the same um, the same status with, relative to other sports, and there are some where it doesn't. India and China are probably two pretty good examples of markets where it's not the number one sport. Yeah. Um, and you know, digital is going to play a role in elevating AFC events too because there are lots of uh, well, everyone else in football. We've already talked about Manchester City. We could just as happily talk about Bundesliga or Premier League, who are also there. But you know, lots of European and North American leagues coming into Asia. AFC, one of the Asian rights holders who are very keen to exploit some potential for growth in in, in their own region. Yeah, make sure they don't get left left behind by other people coming in and taking over. Mm. I think. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think it was interesting what she sort of said about the how the the individual national teams want to sort of ensure that football just isn't viewed as something that's. Um, Played by Western, well, played by Western nations, mm. nations coming into those countries, but also by those countries themselves. Anything else? Uh, the only final note that I had um, was just from my conversation I had with Laura Lee at Rakuten. Actually, um, she talked about how they they're approaching uh, OTT and the way that, that it for, for them. I mean, as a sort of as an e-commerce um, business to start with. It falls as part of like a wider, a wider objective, which mm. is generally to grow their whole ecosystem. Which is a lovely business word of saying all their different strands of business, um, uh, and how, yeah, how, how sports can actually do that, and the, the roles that it plays, so that they, they might not have taken advantage of before in terms of, oh yeah, well you're watching this, why don't you think about buying this, mm. um, and vice versa. And so you're seeing a two-way transaction from people watching live sport and engaging with that to people buying stuff and thinking oh do you want to watch some live sport yeah uh, i thought that was that was particularly interesting and she took it she had a she was on the, a panel she was on my panel she was on with, your uh, panel yeah um, so talking about i mean the nba is is a, a partner of rakuten's and obviously they are ahead of the curve on a lot of this stuff when it comes to distribution um but yeah one of the things that what well, the, the theme of the panel was was the use of data uh, and Rakuten obviously as, a, as an e-commerce operator are already quite used to creating profiles of people and, um, and understanding how, what they might want and how they might behave. Um, and yeah, they, they're, they're already beginning to kind of use their MBA work um, as a showcase for that. And beyond that, obviously it helps the MBA understand when they're building new options for what they might want to do. Also interesting as well is, you know, and it's a similar thing here, but um, coming back to what we said about uh, different models and different um, market expectations, the interaction between OTT and free-to-air, you know, lots of markets, as as we said, are kind of making the jump straight from um, broad-based free-to-air coverage to offers that go beyond that purely because you're suddenly able to watch everything rather than because people are suddenly expecting you to pay for stuff you're already paying for. 
Um, and the J League and DAZN was was an interesting example of that. We had, uh, yeah, we had Martin Jones from DAZN, their EVP for Japan, and uh, Masaki Kimura, uh, senior managing director for Japan Professional Football League. I mean, I thought that was, you know, um, an interesting case study in in using the using OTT to kind of develop a brand as well as developing just access to coverage. And you know, they were talking about how do we get people to watch more J-League rather than just the games that they're used to watching and, and, and Sector and so on. Yeah, you sensed a, uh, a touch of frustration a little bit with the zone that they had that they were having to battle against a free-to-air player in Japan. Um, but it is a country for the zone which is quite interesting, I think, because it's one of the places where they've got such a, such a breadth of uh, sports rights. They're almost mm. in that position of being the market leader in terms, mm. of, what, in terms of what they have. And, the fact that they're still so locked into that battle with free to wear and mm. they're trying to yeah, educate the Japanese people on the fact that they can just go beyond linear. Yeah. Um, and the yeah, value of doing so. And yeah, exactly the value of doing so. Yeah, that was a that was a yeah, I thought that was a, a good way to kick off the uh, the whole mm. event actually. Certainly yeah. drew people in. Yeah. And you know, the Japan being one of those markets in Asia where connectivity is of such a standard that um you're going to be able to see OTT players, I think, try stuff out and you know see what works and and what they can what they can take uh, elsewhere. Particularly a company like Design that has you know a fairly substantial global outlook. Um, right, I think that probably covers it from us. Um, but it was a, a very enjoyable two days. If, you, if if OTT is your thing and you want to join us at um, another event. You are in luck because we can confirm that we will be returning with the the original uh, Sports Pro OTT Summit in Madrid, uh, back for a third edition on the 20th and 21st of November. So put that one in your diaries if you'd like to see us before then. And I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> Sports Pro Live is at the O2 here in London on the 30th of April and 1st of May. Head to sportsprolive.com. Or am I meant to now be, is it meant to be live.sportspromedia.com? I just head to the Sports Pro digital channels and uh, <laughs> discover what we need to know there. Um, yeah, so head to sportsprolive.com or live.sportspromedia.com to find out all you can about that and uh, also find out how you can get past, which is probably highly recommended. Anyone looking for some other takeaways from... Uh, Singapore that exceeds what me and Owen are just capable of producing <laughs> in 15 minutes. There's going to be plenty of stuff coming up on, uh, there is. on the Sports Pro website, including some exclusive interviews that we did out there. Yep. Um, and as, as well as full highlights from the whole sessions available on the demand platform, which I think are. Uh, yeah, Which I think should be coming out relatively soon. Yeah, I think if you if you were lucky enough to be with us last week, then that ramble between me and Tom is probably not that valuable to you. But um, but your pass will get you access to that on-demand platform. If you'd like to find out how to get access, talk to our sales team. Talk to our sales team. media.com And yeah, as, as um, Tom says, uh, more to come in terms of additional coverage. You might even get one or two of those on the podcast. You might well. Cool. Um, right, we're going to take a quick break, but uh, as promised, we're going to hear from uh, Joey Biswas, the Head of Sports Partnerships for APAC at Facebook. I've heard of them. Me too. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Sports Pro Podcast with our wrap-up of OTT Asia. We've got a session for you from the stage of Pan Pacific. Um, Facebook, obviously quite a big deal in the media space generally, for good reasons and bad. Increasingly significant player in Asia as well in the sports rights space. They made a bid, of course, for Indian Premier League rights in the last cycle that was unsuccessful but was very much a statement of intent. Uh, also picked up Premier League rights in Thailand and uh, will be showing La Liga live coverage uh, in India. So they are very active, um, obviously rolled out Facebook Watch a couple of years ago. We were talking a bit about original content in the first part and Facebook Watch is obviously uh, going to be picking up lots of partnerships in sport off the back of that. 
Yeah, and they have tons of different challenges, tons of different priorities uh, across the whole of the APAC region. Uh, and we heard from their head of sports partnerships in APAC, Joey Biswas, uh, who's talking to uh, Unmesh Partasarati, the founder and executive director of Pictureboard, and a very prolific, very prolific, very active, and uh, very accomplished moderator for a number of our sessions. Tom, what, anything that you took out of this one in particular? It seems to me that um, Facebook is sort of a little bit on the defensive at the moment, perhaps mm. naturally, uh, and that came across a little bit <laughs> in the session. Um, I mean, I still think that there's something to, like, without getting a lot of specifics, I still think they're figuring out what mm. they're going to do with, with their sports offering. I don't think they've completely got it yet. Um, yeah. And I think maybe more than any other region, the sense that it's not going to be the same everywhere. Yeah. Well, let's leave it to Joey to tell us a little bit more about that. Here he is on stage with Enmesh uh, at the Pan Pacific in Singapore. It's all about data. It's all about the numbers. You work out the numbers. Um, so full disclosure, Joey and I used to be colleagues. Uh, I won't say how long, but about, about 10 years ago. Um, welcome. Uh, let me start there, actually. Um, 10 years ago when I met you, you were sort of content acquisitions at a pan-regional TV channel. And from there, you went to a platform, Singtel. And then from there, you went to Eleven, which was a very unique sort of launch, television and linear, OTT at the same time. Uh, and then ESPN, which was predominantly a digital publishing business, and then Facebook. Um, it, it really is a bit like you know, Martin this morning from, from the European side in terms of went from print to digital, all that kind of stuff. What's it been like? I mean, you sort of finish a year in about a month's time. Uh, what's the journey been like? Uh, I think it's been amazing. Um, I think it's been about uh, 10 months of a uh, lot of learning, a lot of unlearning. And uh, the first thing you do is to adjust to the concept that you control, you don't control all the goals that you have. So uh, our team is called the Media Partnership Team. And uh, the goal of the Media Partnership Team is actually to establish and deliver value to the partners. Partners being? Partners, in this case, being your sports broadcasters, or in our world, in the sports vertical, being the sports broadcasters, publishers, leagues, athletes, uh, teams. Uh, so, so that adjustment takes a little time, that you, are, you have goals, but you, do, you, have, uh, you don't have too much control on, on those goals, which is very different from coming from any of these the previous roles where uh, you definitely could make a more significant impact vis-a-vis your goals versus what you can do in, at Facebook. So at Facebook, it's about managing the ecosystem, uh, making sure that uh, the product is working, making sure that the partners are aligned, making sure that the partners understand the product, so which makes it uh, extremely interesting. And I think that's, that's the first adjustment you need to do at Facebook to say that it's what you're trying to do is to actually deliver value for your partners. It's, it seems a bit ironic because at, at one level, the scale and scope of Facebook means the potential for you to move the needle for sell-side federation and buy-side, probably more brand than broadcaster. The potential is high, but the lack of control across the value chain, unlike, say, when you're running a channel, uh, is, is quite the opposite. Um, and I guess the larger piece also is sport is new to Facebook. Whereas ESPN, ESPN Star, these were sort of, the DNA was in the name. How do you sort of manage the dependency piece and then the fact that as a genre, it's new, although it may not be a genre, it's actually just another tool to engage communities. I don't know how you see it. No, it's been a very conscious decision. It's not, it's, it's, it's not to do whether sports is new on Facebook or content is new on Facebook. But the objective is to remain a platform. You know, objective is, it's a marketplace where the partners, and this is, again, sports as well as non-sports, and partners are video producers uh, who can go and connect with their fans. So I think it's a very conscious decision to say that we do not want to be in the space of, of owning content, although we might have done a few acquisitions, and I think we discussed, in, discussed this in one of the previous forums where we said that it was more for experimentation and to kickstart the system. But clearly, the intent is to remain a platform. So to sort, of, to sort of address the elephant in the room, uh, EPL, um, and presumably you're, you're open to talk about it now. Uh, the matter was obviously um, not available for discussion. Um, what was it like? What can you tell us? 
Uh, what can you share with us? Let's start there and then sort of look ahead. Um, well, last spring we had bid for EPL rights in certain markets, and uh, we had won the uh, we had uh, won the bids. Now, winning the bids, as some of you just might... for the audience's context, Thailand, Vietnam, yeah, Cambodia, Cambodia and Laos, Laos yeah. right? Okay. Uh, winning the bid basically gives you an exclusive window of negotiations with EPL for the rights. It doesn't mean acquiring the rights, and I think both sides. Uh, in good faith, negotiated the contract. Unfortunately, at the end, there were some contractual issues which could not be resolved. And uh, with the new season starting in less than six months' time, we felt that it's uh, better for both sides to move on. And Lars mentioned earlier about La Liga, uh, different kind of a league, a different kind of an objective for the league. I think Lars was very clear about the fact that it was more about growing it in a different ecosystem. Uh, and there's, a, there's potentially a sub-licensing or some kind of arrangement with, with Sony as well. Talk us through that dynamic, more for the benefit of the audience in terms of how does that model work for you, for the league, for the broadcaster, and uh, for the agent? Well, to start with, uh, India is a priority market, and we have La Liga rights uh, um, you know, in, the, in the subcontinent for three years. Uh, the rights used to be with Sony, so the first thing we did was to go back and uh, do a deal with Sony, uh, a, again, to set the principle of partnership over, you know, platform. Again, yeah. taking over content which, which was there with someone else. Uh, and clearly, uh, La Liga interested us because uh, there were two clubs and there were so many players uh, who had uh, great levels of engagement. Uh, so um, so it, it, was, it, was the, it was the right content in the right market where we felt that we can do so much more um, through Facebook and distributing content to relevant uh, audiences, uh, and basically just widening the scope beyond uh, traditional TV. And what's been the experience so far? I mean, you, so you, just for con context, you, you had the rights from August of 2018. Yeah. So you're, you're in, in the first season. Yep. So Ronaldo had already moved by then. Yep. Uh, was that a different, because again, the, the, fact, the fact of the matter is, it, it is a dominating lead to club league. Yeah. Uh, you know, Italy is four or five. Your, the Premier League's value is very much the fact that it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's quite unique in that. Yeah. How did the dynamic play out? Because there, were, there was talk of streaming it on the, on the fan club pages yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what we do is we, the content gets streamed on the La Liga page, and we also stream the content on the club's pages. Cross-promote. Yeah. Cross-post on the club's yeah. pages. So it's to ensure that if there's a Barcelona game, if you're, and you're a Barcelona fan, you get a chance to, to watch the content and you're connected to the content. Uh, I think just in terms of sheer numbers, what we have done is, uh, if you look at you know, the viewership numbers on Sony last season versus this season, there's hardly any drop. Yet on the other side, we have added hundreds of thousands of viewers who come in every week and consume content on our platform. So clearly this is a case we have been where we have been able to widen the audience, widen the audience base. Uh, and, uh, and I, I, think, I think it's been great. It's been great just in terms of understanding uh, what the, how the audiences react. For example, we have a lot of interactive features on our platform. And uh, we often run a lot of these polls on a regular basis. And uh, we have seen that 75% uh, of people who participate in content watch 75% content more than the rest of the people. So, and, and, and these are the audience behavior which are extremely important to us. So it's not only about, and you know, again, we have discussed this before, it's not, not only about passive viewing, but also being a part of what's going on through interactions, through reactions, through direct ability to, to be communicating with the, with the production teams and so on. That's an interesting day. I think Julian spoke about this before lunch around, you know, some kind of a interactivity contact around the sport and the magic moments and that kind of stuff. Uh, if you look at the IPL and Hotstar in India, which to my mind probably is the largest um, non-social media-based OTT operator in the world by volume and by concurrency, they've introduced, last season they introduced one feature, this season they've introduced more stuff. Is it too much of a stretch to actually position Facebook as, a, as an intelligent platform, which actually provides these features to a federation? So I guess I'm moving the conversation forward saying post-EPL, yeah. what is the value prop? Uh, that you are taking, let's break it down two ways, to the supply side, to federations, yeah. and to the buy side, so you know, to Lars and to Mike for that matter. Yeah. Um, so content acquisition is a very, very small part of what we do. 
Irrespective, I'm, I'm moving it forward. Yeah, Go on, irrespective yeah, yeah. of the size of the check that we are writing, yeah. you know, it could be EPL, you, you, you it could be You've got some change. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Money's not an issue. No, so that, so, yeah. so it's, it's a very small part of what we do. Yeah. Okay. I would imagine that more than 99% of the, you know, of what we do on the platform are through partnership uh, arrangements. Okay. And partnership arrangement is when, you know, just going back, you're able to demonstrate to, again, whether it's Bean or it's an agency or it's anyone to say that, uh, while you, you have great business models, while you might have great revenue streams, it remains important to be engaged with your fans. And uh, the, fans may not be, the fans may not be turning up to watch television on your network every day, right? Uh, so so I, I don't think fundamentally EPL changes anything that we mm -hmm. did. And in terms of uh, whether the platform is intelligent or not, I think the platform is is very intelligent. No, I guess, Mike, I'm not questioning that. Uh, um, and I think, I think you're right. The EPL in the context of Asia itself, is, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a distraction to the core value prop. I guess my point more was, like you were saying about the polls and the kind of things that you can do, yeah. uh, my question is how widely known are those features and value adds and benefits yeah. to the leagues and the clubs? I mean, the top clubs might know it, but beyond that, is, a, is, there a, is there a value add, almost like a studio where you are? Helping them along. Yeah, and, and, and that's what exactly the partnership team does, which is to work with partners, okay, and uh, um, disseminate information, handhold through uh, whenever there's a product launch. So we make it sure, and, and the job of you know, our team is to work with partners to be and ensure that they're aware of all these features, which can bring in more value into what they're doing. Let's move it along outside of the live match window. Uh, and let's look at, you know, in the live window, but non-match feeds. Yeah. And let's look at outside the live window and scripted or more, time, more, more sort of timeless content. Yeah. What are your plays there? What are your thoughts there? Where, where are you seeing sort of innovation happening? What examples can you share with us? And I think, I, I think that's a great point. I think, uh, again, uh, both in my previous role with ESPN, and I know Lance is here, uh, and with Facebook now, uh, what we have been able to do is to extend the life of content meaningfully beyond live windows. Uh, the content sits beautifully on sports broadcasters or sports platforms assets at this point in time. Uh, we don't see a massive need to be disrupting that. But really, how can you keep engaging with the audiences? How can we create more content for the audiences if you do not, even if you do not have the, the live rights? Uh, for example, uh, uh, you know, this IPL, which is Indian Premier League, which is going on in India, it's like, um, it, it's like tier one of sports content in India. Uh, we don't have the IPL rights, but we are working with uh, ESPN Crick Info, and we have, uh, um, we are working with Crick Info, with Crick Info where they're producing a show for Facebook Watch, uh, which is an interactive quizzing show, which is also previewing the next day's game. Uh, and it's been very well received by fans. And this is what I mean by meaningfully extending the life of the content. So it's not just the live game, but fans want more. Fans want to hear the stories of the players, of the teams, what goes on, what you're not seeing on the field. And we're able to bring that. Let's drill down a bit deeper. Um, so presumably no match footage. No match footage. So it's a very different kind of a studio show. Absolutely. Is it, so talk us through the sort of creative treatment of that show, just to give the audience an appreciation of what kind of a you know, piece. Is it about stat? Is it about talking points? What kind of stuff? So uh, there might be shows with match footages, and there might be shows without match footages. Right? It's, the show is and not about the match footage. It's not about the sports show center. is not about match footage. You know, I, and I think uh, go to India and switch on to any of the news channels, or you know, tune into any of the broadcasters, and you will see. The concept of uh, news access is not widely <laughs> yeah. known in India. So, <laughs> so uh, you are not short on match footages. Okay, it is about getting a couple of experts, and in a very fun way. Uh, quizzing them, and they're cricket experts, but, and, and they, they actually do commentary on games, but actually on quizzing them of the knowledge. And you'll be surprised that some of them, um, their knowledge beyond the commentary script is... Um, is limited. Is, it's very limited. So that's, that's, it's very limited. And it's done in a very fun way, right? So, uh, and, and then audiences can uh, respond, and there are uh, giveaways. So, so I think at a concept level, it is... It's not rocket science, but I think the execution is great. And then the platform is, you know, is actually built for such interactions.
Enjoying this Sports Pro podcast? Well, we're also the sports industry leader in print, digital, and events. Head to sportspromedia.com for the latest features, news, and interviews from the business of sport. Help yourself to a subscription to our acclaimed magazine and find out about our unmissable conferences before anyone else. Get inside the industry with Sports Pro. Let's focus more on watch. I think we've spoken about Facebook, we've spoken about the fan pages, all that kind of stuff. Uh, where do you see watch going in the context of APAC and the, and the regions that you look after? Well, what's, what's next? What's working? What are you seeking, but not necessarily perhaps finding partners, which is an unmet need? No, I, I think if, if we just look at where watch is today, watch got launched in August uh, you know, outside of the US, and it's been, what, about six months now. And if you just look at watch's acceptance among audiences as well as uh, among partners, it has, it's been great. Uh, so, so what has happened is feed, the news feed is where you go to interact with your friends and family, and watch is where you come to, to follow your content, the consumer content. Uh, and um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not able to share numbers, but uh, just in terms of numbers, it's, it's, like, it's been great. So uh, watch is definitely going to be very fundamental to what we do. Uh, as you know, um, I think uh, the top management has said it in, since, you know, on several forums that video is, is what's, what's going to drive this business uh, and watch is all about video. Okay, uh, could we just quickly have any questions if there are any? I'm just conscious that um, Joey covers a wide variety of things. So I just wanna see if there's any questions we wanna have a look at. Um, Joey, pick one. <laughs> you weren't expecting that, were you? Go on. I, I can go for the first one. Go on. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Popular choice. Go ahead. Yeah, clamp down on pirated streams. Uh, from the outside, the current workflow for rights wants to claim ownership is too. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say so. I think there are several partners in this room uh, with whom we are working for piracy. Uh, we are, whether we have the content and whether the partner is working with us or not working with us, we are super invested in bringing down piracy. Um, so we have multiple uh, anti-piracy tools, and uh, if you are, if you're a publisher uh, and if you're facing an issue, always feel free to uh, reach out to us. Is is there a house view? Is this something that you are looking to react to, or is this something that you want to be proactive a part of the solution? Because you know, if the different companies have different views. No, we we are very proactive about it, but there's also a bit of onus on the publisher. We, we, we have a great software, we have uh, great processes, but, uh, but it, the publisher needs to upload, the publisher needs to publish the content, not necessarily for the audience, but into the system yep. for the feeds to come yep. down. So, so there is a dependency. A, there, so, there, your so, first there, yeah, so there is a bit of onus on the publisher also yeah. to be managing that. So, okay. um, and and we, we are very invested in bringing down Paris. Okay. Can I push my luck and ask you to have a look at the second question or should we park that? <laughs> Why did Facebook identify Thailand and other markets? Let's not go to the Plan B bit. I think no, the Plan B is B. interesting because uh, okay. I don't think I don't think EPL for Thailand was ever Plan A. Uh, plan A was always partnership, or it's always to create the ecosystem where partners can come and use us and uh, reach their business objectives. Yeah. Um, what what we what what we did was more of an exception than what we'll be doing going forward. Uh, and why did Facebook identify Thailand and other markets? Uh, well. Uh, APAC is a growing market. Uh, we have seen, uh, you know, we have seen uh, great uh, uh, video consumption patterns within several markets of APAC, and Thailand and Vietnam were uh, right at the top, and uh, we felt that those markets will react very well to EPL. It's a classic example of your knowing where, of the data about the consumer and the consumption and sort of go from there, which is, which is a massive, I think somebody was talking earlier about the aggregation piece. Yeah. That's a huge aggregation platform advantage in terms of you actually know what you're doing rather than sort of, you know, go to church on Sunday as your, as your insurance, which never happened in the TV industry. Um, fascinating. You'd, you'd assume so, yeah. Fascinating. Okay, let's, let's move it along. Let's move yeah. it along. Let's look at Instagram. So we've yeah. done Facebook. Yeah. We've done Watch-ish. Yeah. Let's look at Instagram. Yeah. Uh, where does, you know, under the sports partnership banner, where does this Instagram fit, big mm. picture? Yeah. And where do you see it sort of fitting across the APAC? Yeah. Um... So as a product, Instagram continues to evolve based on audiences' needs and wants. So, you know, it's an evolving platform. Uh, video is very fundamental to both Facebook and Instagram. That's very clear. 
Can I hold you there? Mm. Uh, is the nature of the video and the kind of experience that so could you try and sort of get in the weeds and just slightly spread that apart? I was please? trying to get into the weeds. Thank you, funny. <laughs> I'm excited, is, go on. Uh, no. uh, so, so um, the audience set and the audience behavior on Instagram and Facebook uh, is very different. Uh, on, on Instagram, it's, uh, it's ephemeral, it's vertical. Uh, I would imagine that the uh, people come and snack on Instagram while they consume longer form on Facebook. Uh, and on Instagram, you have got uh, several uh, video features. You have uh, Instagram stories. Again, you know, if it's, uh, if it's lightweight content, it's ephemeral. We've seen partners adopting that, partners using that, and we've seen um, great consumption numbers from, from stories. Uh, we have um, IGTV, which is vertical immersive. So if you're a player or a team and you want to be very authentic uh, you know, with vertical videos, it's a great surface. Uh, we have seen IG Live, which, is, which has become the megaphone for the athletes especially, and as, as well as for the teams. So I, I, I think uh, video is core to both Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and we really leave it on the audience to decide with, where do they want to go for video consumption. Mm. But for a partner, it means that there are multiple opportunities, and they have to identify the opportunities. And we advise that the programming cannot be the same for Facebook and Instagram. They're meant for different consumption habits. And can you share with us what, what the sort of regional variation is? Because I've, I've always been amazed by, by, by the geographical spread of what you're doing. There's Australia, there's Japan. Hmm. Japan's a very different market for Facebook compared to other Asian markets. Uh, you've got India, which is a very different piece, especially in the back of Geo. And then you've got probably about 35 4G licenses. Uh, which are going live in the ASEAN. What's the Instagram sort of trend like generally and then the context of sport? Well, Instagram has been uh, massively adopted across markets. It's a, it's a very young, cool platform which athletes love. Uh, and uh, clearly, you know, certain markets have reacted uh, more favorably. Or I wouldn't say more favorably, but I think the usage within certain markets is more than other markets. You know, Japan is a case where Instagram has done extremely well. Uh, but but I, I think as a platform, it's been it's been very successful, and uh, everyone is very super happy with with Instagram's performance. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about events. Let's talk about event coverage. So I think we've taken an example of Premier League. We've taken an example of La Liga, one one kind of event. Um, we've talked about broadcasters. Um, let's talk about in the next sort of eighteen months. There's going to be the Sea Games in India. There's the South Asian Games, the Rugby World Cup, Japan, yeah. and the Olympics in Japan. Yeah. Uh, these are events which are, have a very broad appeal yeah. and a very sm short window relative yeah. to a league yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Is that different? What is the play? How do you sort of liaise with sort of folks back at HQ? You know, yeah. The Federation may not be in your backyard. Cricket yeah. World Cup. Yeah. How, does that, how does that work? Um, so, so these are all tentpole events and uh, we have the local team as well as we have a central team working on any major event. And uh, for us, it's not about the stature of the event. So uh, for, the, for the APAC team, uh, obviously this Olympics in 2020 in Japan, but we have SEA Games, as you rightly said, in Philippines in 2019. Uh, it, it's about, and, and the great thing is, I think the incremental impact we can make on mid-tier content is more than we can make at the top-tier content, right? So, uh, and, and again, I, I'm digressing a bit, but if I just, just extend that to say that we have done extremely well with participative sports. We have done extremely well with community sports, like Iron Man. Give you some examples, yeah. yeah like Iron Man. You know, uh, I think last year there were 3.8 million unique visitor, unique audiences who consumed Iron Man more than one minute uh, on our platform. Which, Across APAC, what region? No, uh, globally. globally. Okay. But which is a great number when it comes to Iron Man, right? So, so Iron Man, marathons, uh, fitness competitions, surfing, squash, which are which get marginally less love on traditional broadcasting, they perform very well on us. Because you know, we can directly connect them to their audience set. And for the audience set, you know, they know where to go to consume, to, to consume video as well as to get, get their news and updates. Uh, so yes, we will be prioritizing the major events, but uh, I don't think uh, in our minds, uh, the amount of attention Sea Games will be get, getting would be any less than what Olympics would be getting. I'm going to try and dig a bit deeper about the point you just made because it's a fascinating point about your, your net value add to the niche sports mm. at a multi-sport event like an Asian Games or the Olympics is significantly more. Yeah. Um, about 
a couple of weeks ago, there was a very interesting post on LinkedIn which actually compared the sports media world to what Hollywood went through about 20 years ago, where you had the five big studios who were churning out three blockbusters a year, right? Real mega bucks, 100 million bucks. And then you had sort of art cinema across 12 languages around the world. And there was nothing in the middle. I'm almost getting a sense based on what you were saying. I'm probably drawing, drawing a parallel, which is perhaps not accurate or not just accurate yet. But do you see a trend in the sports industry where you know, Facebook could actually significantly add value to actually you know, service high expectations of big events as opposed to also growing niche events? And underlying for both cases is the grassroots piece. Because in talent, as we heard this morning, is a very important piece, almost like a triangle. Is that sort of an emerging model which could work well on you? Are you seeing it work? And absolutely. I, I think, Unmish, one of the things is that we don't have to choose between a top tier, a mid tier, and growing sports, right? We can service all of them. You have no. one and a half billion people, so they, people choose you. I, I, I noticed <laughs> so, that. Yeah. So the thing is, uh, our play with top tier content in a market might be different versus mid-tier versus grassroots. Mm -hmm. So somewhere it might be, uh, you know, we'd be working with the leagues or the broadcasters, and it could be stories around the league, it could be clips, it could be, you know, we have, uh, you know, highlights deals with NBA, you know, uh, with NBA and, uh, NFL. and some more with yeah. NFL. Yeah. Um, and, and, and clearly, those are opportunities, you know. Uh, I think clips and highlights and recaps it so much better on a platform such as Facebook than, let's say, traditional TV. Right. More newsfeed, algorithm works. You get, you know exactly. Shareability. You can, you know exactly where to get it. You don't have to be logging into a, a service to get it. It's free, uh, and 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 clearly the league see a lot of value mm. in working with us uh, mm. uh, for clips deal. So so again, if it's premier, the approach could be different from let's say mid tier, and which could be different from grassroots. But clearly, uh, all segments interest us. We work with partners, again, who are large, uh, medium, and small. OK, great. Let's, let's talk a bit more, because I was very keen to sort of go through the entire gamut of Facebook's product portfolio. Yeah. Because a lot of talk's been around Facebook only. We've spoken about uh, uh, Watch. We've spoken about Instagram. Um, Oculus. Yeah. Uh, I think even though the focus here is video, but to my mind, uh, I have you tried it. Uh, what's it like? Uh, those who have tried it, what's their view? Um, what can you tell us about you know, what the sort of Facebook view is about Oculus? No, um, um, have you tried Oculus? First? I have. Okay. I have. So, so the Oculus home screen is where you're sitting on, at least the home screen I got was, you're sitting on top of a mountain and you're generally looking at scary. the horizon. And it, was, <laughs> yeah. it was scary. It's I almost real. fell off the chair. And people yeah. do that. It's like scary, yeah. seriously scary, some yeah. of these. Um, so uh, we think that VR and uh, Oculus in our case is going to be the, the next big thing in, in participatory uh, watching. Okay. Uh, Oculus, uh, we have been slow on the rollout. We have rolled it out to various markets. Uh, there are a couple of products we are doing which are doing extremely well. Uh, there's a product called, uh, um, there is Oculus Venue and there is, um, there's Oculus and there's Oculus, Oculus TV and Oculus Venue. Yeah, that's a stadium so, recreation. Yeah, so the Oculus TV is where you can watch a TV program with your friends who are geographically dispersed, but in the virtual world sitting together, you can watch it together and comment and interact with each other. I mean, it's great. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like it sounds, uh, it sounds vanilla, but when you go through it, it's like really you see people sitting with next to you with down. the headset yeah. on. So, and so it's immersive. It it's immersive. It's very, very That's immersive. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Oculus venue is when you are in the midst of a stadium with thousands of fans, uh, with your friends, but again, with a lot of strangers, and it's, it's, it's real time. Uh, we did it with MLB, we did it with the uh, with Football World Cup, uh, and, and, the, and the experience has been uh, like uh, very amazing. It's been very, very well received, uh, and we do see Oculus to be one of the vehicles for uh, our, our uh, next layer of growth. The Major League Baseball and the FIFA World Cup, was that live, in the live environment? Yeah, it, was the live environment. it was in the live environment. Live environment. Wow. So I guess going back to what Mike was saying also about IP, IP delivery is, is so there's obviously the, uh, the amount of data you're going to have to be moving yeah. uh, is, is, is really, is, is it more like OTT three years ago where the telcos weren't in a position to actually support the concurrency? Yeah. So, we've, so we're looking at about 2022, 23, where you feel that it begins, the infrastructure and the piping would be able to support yeah. what at the moment is a very niche yeah. Um, experience. No, and my friend at, uh, you know, from Optus, he just mentioned that it's also a bit to do with uh, demand and supply. Yeah. Obviously, if audiences uh, want a technology and they might be, you know, I mean, 
you were there five years back, think of 4G, and people couldn't think of delivering 4G, sorry, 4K, and people couldn't think of delivering 4K over, over the internet, yeah. right, versus where we are today. So I'm, I'm sure that that's going to be resolved, but it works very well. We have, we have seen it, it works very well. Okay, uh, last five minutes. Uh, yeah. Let's look at your 2020 vision. Hmm. Where you're 12 months in, what, what are the kinds of things that you'd be wanting to do yeah. in the next 12 months? <laughs> sorry, in the next? 12 months. The next 12 months, okay. Um, because well, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, in many ways, if you sort of look at, if you look at, this is just my personal yeah. If you look at the next 12 months, uh, 4G licenses are getting embedded. Smartphones are going to be installed, significant number. Hmm. Uh, people are beginning to understand how best to use Facebook across different apps. Hmm. Where's your sort of sense? Where do you think uh, a lot of you and your team are going to be spending your time on? And where would you like to spend your time on? Oh, we'd like to spend time uh, drinking with our friends, uh, broadcasting and uh, league friends. Uh, I mean, to us, success is really to be able to demonstrate to all our partners that we bring in a lot of value. You know, I, I do think uh, we speak a lot about engaging fans, and we don't do so much about it. Uh, I do think that some traditional broadcasters have been, that was a bit of it for a myopic. The opposite. The, a better word for better myopic. Better word for myopic. Short-sighted. No, it's, no it's, it's not a better word. But I, 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 I think uh, we limited, have... Limited, perhaps. Okay, limited. Um, I, I think a lot of uh, traditional broadcasters have been very revenue-driven and have missed one component, which is to bring in new people into the ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, and I would believe that uh, hopefully 12 months from now, uh, we should be able to be... You know, they would see that we really deliver... You know, we add to the ecosystem rather than taking away from the ecosystem. Okay, on that positive note, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Joy Biswas. Thank you. Thanks, Abish. Thanks, everyone. Okay, that's it for another Sports Pro podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to uh, Joey and Unmesh and indeed all of our speakers, moderators, partners, and attendees at Sports Pro OTT Asia in Singapore. Very much enjoyed doing it, very much enjoyed being your host out there. Um, and we hope to get there again sometime very soon. Uh, you will be hearing from us next week. We'll be back to our regular diet of sports industry news and, you know, contributions and whatnot. Um, but for now, thank you to Tom Basson. Thank you very much. And bye-bye. Goodbye. Yeah,